So Jess, why did you become a realtor? I worked in a various customer service jobs, so I wanted something a little bit more rewarding. Um, becoming a real estate agent, being able to help people find their forever homes or their investment homes, starter homes, it's very exciting, so a lot of fun. Now, you've gotten off to a really good start in your real estate career. What has been the most rewarding part of this for you so far? Helping people, especially like first-time home buyers, um, finding their first home. They're so excited. Um, I'm so excited to help them. So it's a nice, rewarding part. What is it that you think makes you different than other real estate agents? I think that my various roles in customer service has helped me. So I like to ask a lot of questions and I want to know what I'm doing. So I think that helps a lot because I'm not going to steer people the wrong way. I'm going to make sure they have knowledgeable decisions um, and help them find the right home. Last thing I want to ask you is, and I know these are words that you live by, but the mantra at CTBB Realty is? People over paychecks, do the damn thing. And that's what we do. Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys to the city. Keys to the city, baby. Well, you see us, so you know. I'm crossed out by Kobe. We'll float in and then Shaq goes like this, and the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on, fun. But I didn't make my I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clovercrest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to him, he taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Finch, two for three, he's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Welcome to Sports Talk with R&J. I am Steve Risser, along here with Justin Anafrio. And hey, what what can you say? The Giants finally made the right decisions. They let I mean we, they 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 pretty much actually parted ways with Dave Gatman. I don't know if we they fired him or he retired. I mean, I feel like they forced him out, but that's another that's another conversation for another day. But the big news was yesterday they fired Joe Judge after two seasons as head coach and a couple of weeks ago, it didn't look like they were going to do it. I mean, it lo- it, lo- it didn't it did not look like they were going to do it. It looked like he was coming back, but he could not have embarrassed himself more in the last two weeks. First, with that 11-minute rant, which was absolutely ridiculous. And we, we went over that 11-minute rant last week. And then, obviously, the play that will symbolize Giants football for the last nine seasons. The third and nine quarterback sneak. And, and that just shows you this organization over the last over the last nine years has became a joke. Since 2013, it all started in 2013. And, and when they were kind of slumping from 2013 to 2015, had the good year in 2016. But 2017, it really started to go downhill. They are tied with the worst record in football with the New York Jets. 
and and and, and now the org- the organization now they've hit rock bottom. They've holy now as a Giants fan, it's all up from here because I feel like that third and nine quarterback sneak they hit rock bottom. I mean, it, it, it was a joke. You heard Aaron Rodgers on uh, the Pat McAfee show say he referencing that play. When you have other teams referencing what you're doing, you know you're in, you know you're a joke. You know you're an embarrassment. And John Mayer responded, and I and and, and I got to give John Mayer responding for you know probably getting rid of the coach and getting rid of the GM and then probably getting rid of the probably getting rid of the GM and getting rid of the coach. So I got to give John Mayer credit for it. Credit for it. And and for for new head coaches. My first, my top three choices right now. Number one's obviously Brian Flores. He knows he's able to do. He's he's able to do the job. You saw it in Miami. We'll get to what happened in Miami. That was you're, you're lucky. <laughs> you, you an organization, your division made terrible decisions. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean Brian Flores is definitely my number one choice because he's proven to do the job. Number two, Eric Bieniemy. Very, he's he, he's he's got to get a shot. I mean, he he's got to get a shot. He's been an outstanding offensive coordinator for the can for the Kansas City Chiefs. I feel like Eric Bieniemy's got to get a shot. He's choice number two. And choice number three is Brian Dable. I feel like, you know, Brian Dable has paid his dues. He's been an offensive coordinator for a long time. So that's my top, that's my top three choices for, uh, for, for, for head coach. But just, you don't have to come up with your top three choices. I, I, oh, okay. I, I actually wrote a couple. Oh, gotcha. Oh, you did, you did. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. I saw you looking there. I'm like, uh, I put him on the spot there, but yes. But what are your thoughts on, you know, what the Giants have done in the last couple of days? Well, you know, for the Giants, it took a little bit longer. I don't know why they, you know, I Mayor must have been wanting to hear what people thought about Joe Judge coming back. It, it, it shows you though they wanted to bring him back. The fact he didn't get fired on Monday. Yeah, no, it did because they had the money meeting Monday afternoon as well, and whatever he was selling, he, you know, Mayor they will keep the, you know, Joe Judge will keep the job. But yeah, I know Mayor probably didn't want to fire another head coach after two years, but you had to. I'm like, I, you know, going back to that press conference, too, he burned some bridges, too. And the mayors have been well-respected in the NFL for a while. He burnt the bridge with Washington. Now, he's probably not friends with, with uh, Daniel Snyder, but he probably respects Snyder. And he, pro- and he probably respects Ron Rivera, too, and what he's done in the league. He's got to kind of clean up that mess. He's got to clean up Pat Sher- you know, the mess that when Joe Judge kind of, you know, said that, you know, um, the last year, Pat Shermer that was there, they, you know, that his team quit on him. Like, you know, he's got to kind of go apologize down to Pat Shermer. He's got to go clean up his mess for the stuff he said. Yeah, he just, you know, and then at the end, too, when or at the end of, like, the press release they had, it was like, you know, Barry was saying, you know, I thought we were in a good direction going in this year. And he looked at, you know, the final game, and I just thought kind of um, we're just not there. We're, you know, things just, you know, we haven't really got much better. It's just he kind of just punted away that game. And on third and nine, I just I don't get that. And it's a game you, that you have that you don't. It doesn't matter to you. He threw it. Jake Fromm threw a pick six five minutes later. So who cares? He throws it. You know, it's just one of those things. I thought it was horrible. Um, Joe Joe's coaching again. Their offense was absolutely pitiful for two years. Those are my thoughts. Again, it's a right move. I know it, it's tough to fire another coach, but it had to be done. It really does. And maybe the last, actually, last of my thoughts is maybe two for why they waited another day too. Is maybe some of the candidates they reached out to, they did ask, "Would you come here if Joe Judge is the coach?" Maybe most of them said no. Maybe that's another reason why they ended up firing him. So GM, new GM gets the pick. But my three candidates right now: number one, Brian Flores. He's actually from Brooklyn, so I got to I got a great, a, a, a great connection yeah. there. Brooklyn Giant, great connection there. 
Yeah, you know, he's going to bring back that New York toughness, I think. You know, yeah, his team's is going to play for him. You know, that again, that first year in Miami, that team was a laughing stock. They ended up winning five games with that roster, which is very impressive. Again, I know they started one and eight. They beat seven. You know, they went seven straight. Yeah, maybe it's not the greatest team, but that team never quit on them. That team continued to play hard week in, week out. I think Blind Forbes would be a great one. Um, great guy to kind of get in that, you know, back in that locker room. Uh, it's kind of – hopefully get that culture going. Cause I, you know, they started to have something going there in, um, in, in Miami. My number two is Josh McDaniels. Now it depends on who the new um, GM is because of the new GM thinks that Daniel Jones is a franchise quarterback and can play at this level and be a starter. Then I think Josh McDaniels is a great hire because you've seen what he did with Matt Castle, your Tom Brady towards ACL. The four games that um you know Brady was spent a few years ago for Deflate Gate, J- Jimmy Garoppolo and J- Jacoby Brissett played well. Jo- Jacoby Brissett, you know, got a job in Indianapolis because of it. And then you saw what he's been able to do with Mac Jones this year. He's been able to get the best out of all out, out of his quarterbacks. Again, it, it it all depends on if you know if the new GM thinks Daniel Jones is a guy. If he is, then I think McDan- McDaniels would be a good one. If not, then McDaniels probably doesn't make a ton of sense right now. And my last one is Brian Dable. Um, you know, the Buffalo offense coordinator. Now I know the Giants are two are looking at their assistant GM. So I kind of think if they do go for the they do hire the Bills assistant GM, maybe he brings along Brian Dable with them, creative offensive coordinator. Um, you know, he's worked with the Patriots, he's worked with Alabama, you know, he he's uh, you know, what he's been able to do with Josh Allen this offense has been very impressive. So I also think uh, Brian Dable will be a good good hire as well for the New York Giants. Yeah, I mean, and, and as you said, Mara didn't want to do this. He didn't want to have his, you know, he didn't want to change coach after two years again. But he had no choice. He had no, he had no choice to to, to get rid of Joe Judge, especially after what happened the last those last two weeks. It just when when your team is that big of a joke, you have you have to get rid of the head coach. They keep Joe Judge. Players are going to want out. No free agents are going to want to sign here, and guys might even not want to come here. Guys who get drafted are probably not going to want to come here. So you had to make this move. They 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 had they had to do it and. You know, and finally, and they did the right thing. They finally listened to the fans because you heard the you heard, you saw the empty seats against Washington. You saw the booing, the, the booing in the stand, the booing in the stands, especially after that that, that third and nine quarterback sneak. This is a move that they had to make. Yeah, you did it, it. You know, again, I tickets were going for six dollars. You saw they they showed the photos in the parking lot. There's nobody there. And again, like even you know the Giants should be able to draw no matter what. And yeah, that team was just. Again, you can kind of see like the fans had find you know pretty much kind of quit. And again, I don't blame them for kind of booing this team. Again, it 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 was a joke. It never got better. The team quit. Again, look at the other. You know, Miami blew out the Giants. Denver blew out the Giants. And then Matt Nagy and the Bears blew out the Giants. Like the three head coaches that got fired all blew out the Giants. So it, it didn't make any sense why Joe Judge saw the job after getting blown out by those three guys. And uh, it, yeah, it had to be done. You know, it, it's good he listened to fans again. Hopefully, he's learned his lesson. Maybe he goes outside the organization now, figure something out. Because again, this is such a big hire for him now. Because again, the Jets right now are in a better spot than the New York Giants, and I don't know the last time that's ever happened. That's never happened. And the thing, the thing is, yeah, and they are going to go outside. It looks like they are going to go outside the organization, which is good. And it looks like there's going to be no connection, and either the head coach or the or the or the GM. Are not going to have a connection to the team, and then the last time that's happened was it was nineteen was 1979. So uh, that th- that's why I am for the first I am confident in in, the, in this team's future. I mean, I'm not 
confident that I'm a little bit skeptical that ownership might not get it right again, but I'm, I'm, I'm starting to think that ownership's starting to listen to the fans. And I think, I think things could change. This is an optimist. I mean, it's not a great day because a guy got fired and, and ownership has whiffed on two head, the last two head coaches in, you could argue the last two GMs, if, if two, two GMs, but uh, there is some optimism because I feel like things are changing. They, they're, they're starting to listen to the fans, fans and they're starting to get things changed. Yeah, absolutely. They should, they, 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 they have to, you know, it's, they missed the playoff nine out of the last 10 years and for the Giants, it just cannot happen. And yeah, it's, it's, you know, the fans don't should not put up with it. It's a New York Giants. It's a big market team. There's no reason why this team should not be able to, you know, make the playoffs a couple of times. And especially in the division last years, that has not been great. It's kind of been wide open and they have not been able to get that chance. So yeah, you know, the, the fans have a right. It's good that the Maras are finally kind of learning that it's time to go outside the organization to kind of fix this. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we got to get to the, to the playoffs this weekend and we're going to start. We're not going to start completely in order. We're going to mostly go. We're not going to start completely in order because first we're going to talk about the Patriots and the Patriots are really struggling going into their playoff game with the Buffalo Bills. This is, a, this is the this is round three. This is the rubber match. The Patriots obviously won in Buffalo on that Monday night. And then Josh Allen came back to Foxborough and he had a great game and they won uh, they, and they beat the Patriots a couple weeks ago. So uh, the Patriots not playing well uh, uh, going into this game. And I think, I think a big reason for it is the defense hasn't been as good, especially against the run. Indy had a good game. Indy had a big game on the ground against them. And then Miami had a big game on the ground against them in the last week, the last week of the season. Uh, I think a big reason for that is Matt Judon, who has, who had a, who's having a great year until the bye week has been absolutely terrible the last three weeks. He's been terrible against the run and he doesn't have a sack. Matt Judon has not played well at all. And he's going to have to play well. The Patriots are going to win, beat the Pels. Cause if, he does, if he's been playing the way he's played the last three weeks, this Patriot team is going to be in big trouble because they're going to have trouble getting pressure on the quarterback and they're going to have trouble stopping the run. And Buffalo, I know they're been against bad teams, the Jets and the, and the Falcons, but they ran the ball a little bit better uh, going into the playoffs. So, I, I think this is going to be. I think. I think the weather might favor New England a little bit. It's supposed to be a really, really cold night in Buffalo, but not a lot of winds. So I think it'll be definitely. Buffalo will definitely throw the ball better than they did in that Monday night game. I, I do think. I do think they're going to be able to move the ball against New England's defense. New England's defense has not been as good going into the playoffs. So I think Buffalo is going to move the ball. Josh Allen's going to throw a couple touchdown passes. I think New England will still have some success running the football. But I feel like Mac Jones, and he hasn't played as well since the bye week either. I think he's going to have a. He's going to have a turnover. Uh, the Patriots might force a turnover to, to, to get a short field, but I think Mac Jones is going to have at least one interception in this game. And I got the Bills winning it, and I got the Bills winning it by double digits. I got the Bills beating the Patriots 27 to 16 and advancing to the second round of the playoffs. But Justin, can the Pats D contain Josh Allen and can Mac Jones do enough for the Pats to pull an upset? It's going to be very difficult. I get the Bills 24 20. You know, I guess this is kind of set favorites to the Patriots over the last eight postseasons. Um, there's been six matches between divisional opponents in the wild card round. The lower C has won five out, out of the last six or five out of the six there. So, you know, hopefully that kind of favors New England there. Um, but yeah, they got to keep Josh Allen under control. That that game in New England, he was able to scramble. Even Tua last week was able to scramble. And yeah, Matthew Judon's problem, and it's kind of been all year, is that when he um, puts pressure on the quarterback, he goes past the quarterback, kind of takes her out back. And the line in on the tackles the last few weeks have kind of been using that against him and trying to taking that away. So he's got to try to find a different technique this week to get to Josh Allen. Um, yeah, because again, he had 12 and a half sacks in the first 13 games. He hasn't had one since. So you're you're completely right. He's kind of he's not been good and, and he's he's struggled the last few weeks. So um, you know, then and the rest of like the pass rush and you know has not been great. They have not been able to get 
you know, they've not been able to get to, you know, get to the quarterback the last few weeks. They've been able to scramble away. I'm hoping they put Duggar as a spy this week instead of a linebacker because I, Josh Allen's going to outrun a linebacker any day of the week. Um, that's what I'm hoping there. But, yeah, they got to be able to get stops on third down this time. You know, they could not in New, New England. They haven't really done that much all year. And then for Mac Jones, I think this game, it, it, yeah, you know, he's probably going to have a turnover too. But in their 10 wins, their turnover margin is plus 19, and their seven losses, minus 12. It's, you know, they have to protect the football. And even their wins, in their 10 wins, they're converting 49% on third and fourth down with 10, touch, 10 touchdowns and zero interceptions. And their losses, they're only, they're, um, they're converting 45% of the time, but they only have three touchdowns and seven in max and seven or seven interceptions. So, they got to be good on third down. They got to be able to control the control the ball, um, kind of keep it all in Josh Allen's hands. You know, give Max some time. Again, if he's got some green run, take off with it. He's got to make some smart throws. That for that pick uh, pick sixty through Sunday. I don't know where he was going. That that, that one. That you know. Um, I don't know if he just got fooled with the coverage or what. That was a horrible one. But yeah, it, Max probably gonna throw an interception this game. But he's got to keep it to a minimum. He's probably gonna have to you know throw the ball. Actually, definitely got to throw the ball more than three times in this game. But, you know, give it to Hunter Henry. Give it to, you know, he's been reliable all year. Um, you know, Kendrick Bourne's been good all year. Like, you know, spread it around. You, they got to keep Buffalo on their toes. And, you know, and again, if they can get play action working, I think it's such a huge advantage for them on Saturday night. The big key is the Patriots cannot get way behind because the – Problem is, is when they, we've seen it, we've seen it all year long when they've gotten way behind. We saw it against, we saw it against New Orleans. We saw it against the, in the Indianapolis game. We saw it against the Bills at home in Foxborough. We saw it last week against the Dolphins. When this team gets down two scores, they have a very, very hard time coming back because they just don't have that explosive, they don't have that explosive skill, skill player in the pass game. I mean, it's not because, Matt, I don't think it's because Mac Jones doesn't have a, a huge arm. I think it's just because of, they're just not having that explosive guy, that explosive player in the passing game so i think the, the patriots got to be able to run the ball and i feel like they will because even in the game they lost against the bills in foxborough damian harris had a big game he had over 100 rushing yards he had three touchdowns he had a big game the problem was mac jones wasn't good in that game mac jones mac josh allen completely outplayed mac jones so i do feel like they're gonna be able to run the ball i just feel like mac jones has hit a little bit of a rookie wall here he hasn't played as well and and and, and i just feel like buffalo's just gonna have i think they're gonna have the most success in this game running the football i just feel like uh they're, they're, they're going to they're gonna have a lot of success success running it. So that, that, that's why I got the Bills winning it by two scores. And, 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 and again, like I've said, the Patriot defense, since the bye week they won that Buffalo game in Buffalo, has just not been as good. I mean, they, they were great. I mean, that seven-game winning streak, they were great. But but they're, they're, they really, they've really they haven't been as good uh, in, 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 since bye week. So, and, and that all starts, as we said, with Matt Judon. Matt Judon has just not been as good. So, so I mean, I, I, I think this is a game where – I think I think the Bills win it by two. The Bills win it by two scores. I mean, I just don't think the Patriots are playing good. They're not. They peaked. The Patriots this year, to me, peaked at the wrong time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it's really starting to look like that. You know, the last few weeks again. Yeah, they blew out Jacksonville, but really, who has not done that this year? So yeah, like again, Miami. They came came out flat. Miami had a great offensive game plan that first drive. Pretty much did whatever they wanted on that first drive, and then you know they were down fourteen nothing. You know, two minutes later, so. Yeah, you know, this, yeah, the Buffalo game, yeah, they couldn't get off the field. Um, Bills, what, were like nine, eight for 10 on third down. I think they could, they were two for two on fourth down or two for three. So, yeah, you know, the Bills, they just could not get off the field against Buffalo. 
you know, Miami last week, just kind of the same problems. Couldn't get the field. They had a chance last week to kind of maybe get one shot there, but they couldn't. Yeah. And then Mac Jones hasn't been great. And yeah, I, like I, I agree with you. They need that explosive player. Cause last year, Mac with those weapons, he's got an arm. He's got a cannon. He could, you know, he's got the strength. Again, nothing like Josh Allen, but he's, you know, um, but he's at the strength to throw it downfield. So yeah, if they can get somebody this off season, that would, that'd be great for him. But yeah, I, you know, I can see the Bills winning this thing by two scores, but I just cannot under, you know, um, but with Belichick, I can't, you know, again, I can't like, take that lightly. Like, I, I think Bill's going to have this defense ready to go. I trust Bill that this defense is going to look a lot better than it has the last few weeks. And a couple um, things. That's why I think they do keep it close. I want to beat Buffalo, but, I, you know, not too uh, confident on it right now. Yeah, and a couple things with Belichick. Yes, I think, you know, he, it, he does have the coaching advantage. But people got to stop with his, oh, he's in Sean McDermott's head. Stop with that. Yeah, I, 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 I got to stop saying he's in Sean McDermott's head. I, I, I'm tired of hearing that. You know, and it all started from the comment, you know, that McDermott made in the first game. Oh, we don't need to give Belichick uh, the credit. We don't need to give Belichick uh, uh, more credit. Well, he went out and beat Bill Belichick in, in Foxborough. Can we stop with that Bill Belichick's in Sean McDermott's head? Sean McDermott's a, a really good coach in this league. I'm not saying Bill Belichick's. The, one of the greatest coaches ever. But Sean McDermott is a very good coach in this league. And in my opinion, he's Bill Belichick is not in his head. No, I don't think so either. Uh, yeah, at first meeting, again, I think he was just very annoyed after that game that what the Patriots did to him, and you just haven't seen it. So I just think, you know, McDermott after that game was just a little annoyed. But, no, I don't think he is. Again, they they went to Fiverr last year and put a beat down on him. So I don't think he is. I don't think Bill's in his head. Again, I just think McDermott's a little annoyed after that game. And again, they Bills came out there a couple weeks ago and and uh, beat you know came five for and beat them. Pretty much took the division over and took off from there. So no, I don't think he's in the set either. I again, Bills one of the best. Again, um, that first game, I just think McDermott just got a little bit annoyed after that. You know, only only losing and the team only threw three pass against you because that just does not happen at this level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a, that was an odd circumstance. It was a really windy night. Yeah, that was just that was an odd game. That was an odd game. But I do feel like that was kind of a fluke, a fluke that they won that game. I felt like the second game was more indicative to how these two teams are. And I feel like Buffalo is the better team. I feel like the AFC East is their division. That's why I think they they proved that on Saturday night and and they knocked out the Patriots. Yeah, no, I could totally see it. I think they, you know, I think they do. Again, I'm hoping the Patriots come fired up again. Though, you know. They, they came, and I, I get they haven't beat the Patriots much over the last few years, but, you know, they came in there, they they won that game, they celebrated like they won the Super Bowl. So I'm kind of hoping the Patriots are motivated by that and try to go back up there and knock them off this time. But, yeah, Buffalo's a great team. Again, like, Diggs even really hurt him last time. It was Isaiah McKenzie. Like, you know, he's, that, he's a big factor in that game. So, yeah, Buffalo, all their weapons is going to be tough to stop. But, you know, I'm not going to underestimate Bill Belichick and what he can do. Yeah, should should be an interesting game. Should be an interesting game Saturday night. Saturday night, I wouldn't be shocked if the Patriots won because they know Buffalo really well. But I just think right now Buffalo is the better team. But we got to move on to one of the other AFC games, and that is the Bengals and the Raiders. The Raiders have not won a playoff game since 2002, since they won the AFC Championship game before they went to the Super Bowl against the Bucks. The Bengals haven't won a playoff game since 1990. So both teams have really really long playoff droughts. One of them will end it. On Saturday, this is the first game. Uh, it's the first playoff game of, of Super of uh, Super Wild Card Weekend, and these two teams played in the regular season. It was a competitive game for about you know 
three and a half quarters, but the Bengals pulled away late in that game uh, because of two two Raider turnovers. They played in week 11. Bengals won 32-13. In this game, I think this is a close competitive game. I think there's going to be a little bit of jitters with Joe Burrow, you know, pregame jitters. I do feel like the Raiders, this is the, little, this is the mismatch. This is the advantage they have. They're going to get some pressure on Joe Burrow because the Bengals offensive line is, is not that good. Uh, I do think Derek Carr is going to have a pretty good game. But I do think the team that wins is the team that has the better roster. I feel like the Bengals have the better roster. I think they're going to be able to run the ball better, the, the, better than the Raiders. And I feel like they're, they, they have the better defense. That's why I'm taking them to win this game. I got them winning it 27-20 over the Raiders to get their first playoff win in over 30 years. But, Justin, can Derek Carr lead the Raiders to their first playoff win in almost 20 years? I don't think they will. I get the Bengals 27 to 17. I think too coming off that emotional draining game Sunday night. Now you got to turn around. You're at the first game Saturday. I think it's going to be a tough bounce back for the Raiders. Um, for Carr, I think you know for him, he's got to get Walter involved. You know, last last time against the Bengals, he had seven catches for 116 yards. He's a big factor in that game. You know, Bengals only sat Carr twice, but they got a lot of pressure on him that game. He's going to be facing that pressure again. He's got to make smart reads. You know, Jay Jones has played well. Hunter Renfro, you know, I know the Chargers doubled him last week. We'll, we'll see what the Bengals kind of do this week to see if they can get – if he can get Hunter Renfro back involved this week. Um, they got to be able to run the football, go off play action. Again, the Raiders got to be kind of creative offensively. They run a ton on first and second down. They they got to go play action, you know, a couple times on first second down, keep the Bengals off their, on their toes in this game. Um but I have, I think the Bengals are the better team. I think they'll get enough pressure on Derek Carr. I think he probably makes a mistake or two in this game, and that's why the Bengals, you know, win their first game since yeah, 1990. So their their first playoff game since 1990. I get the Bengals. We got the NFC playoffs. We got a matchup in Tampa as the Eagles travel down to Tampa to face the, the Buccaneers. And I know the Buccaneers are banged up a little bit. And I know the Eagles almost beat them in Philly earlier in the year, but. That was on a short week. The Buccaneers are at home. I do feel like the weather could be an issue. It might rain in Tampa on Sunday, but I do think that Tom Brady's he's I think the Eagles keep keep him in check early, but in the second half, I think I think the Buccaneers pull away. I think the Eagles, this is a bad matchup for the Eagles because the problem is is the Eagles like to run the ball, and the Buccaneers are really good at stopping the run. That's why I think this is a bad matchup for the Eagles. I think Hurts is gonna throw a pick or two. I, I and I feel like uh, Fournette's Fournette's gonna be back and he's gonna have a pretty good game on the ground. I think, you know. Uh, Levante David's back, so he's going to be able to help stop the run for the Bucks. I think the Buccaneers win this game and win it by a couple scores. I got the Bucks beating the Eagles 26 to 10. But Justin, can the Eagles D contain Brady? And can Jalen Hurts make enough plays for the Eagles to pull an upset? I don't think so. I got the Bucks 31 to 17. In that first meeting, you know, the first drive, they, you know, they, they go up, um, they scored a touchdown, but it, you know, they had a big PI play call that you know they got 40 yards from, and then their next six drives they had five punts and one interception for a total of 35 yards, and they were down 28 to seven, and then that's kind of when they started to come back. But they were down three scores, like they really could not do anything for most of that game. Um, I can't really see them doing for much. I can't see Jalen Hurts doing a lot in this game either. The Bucks defensively should get healthy, you know, a little bit healthier. I know the secondary they're so banged up, but. I, I can't see the Eagles being able to have a lot of success running the football again. Um, I, you know, they just, because I, one dimensional, when the Eagles are one dimensional, they have to throw the football. That's when they've really struggled this year. 
Um, they're 0-7, I believe, against playoff teams this year. Like they or against teams that are, are in the playoffs. So I think they're gonna struggle. You know, Hertz is gonna struggle offensively in this game. And I, yeah, I think Tom Brady with Leonard Fournette coming back was a huge factor last year in the playoffs. He threw in a rushing yard, three touchdowns. He also caught a TD. Yeah, I think Brady should be fine. Um, you know, a couple of weapons coming back, like Mike Evans should play. Like I, I think, you know, Brady will take care of things. Again, yeah, probably little, you know, maybe a little bit closer early, but I think eventually Tampa Tampa Bay pulls away and they move on to next week. We got Xander in the group chat, and we and and, and he's going to be happy which game we're going to talk about next, and that is the four, big four o'clock game. The 49ers travel to Dallas to face the Cowboys, and this should be a great game. I think this should be a really really competitive game. The forty Trent Williams is going to be big and key in this game. Uh, he might not play. He's, he's still questionable. I think he's going to try to go out there because, you know, it is a playoff game. And the 49ers uh, were able to win without him last week against the Rams. But a big reason for that was because of the running game. And that's why the running game is going to be so crucial in this game. I feel like if the 49ers have a big day on the ground, they're going to win. If, if the Cowboys contain their ground game, they're going to lose. Because if they get if they, if they don't get what they – if they don't have a big day on the ground, that's going to open things up for Demarcus Lawrence – for uh, Randy Gregory and for Micah Parsons to get pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's really going to be a problem for the 49ers because uh, if, they, if they have to throw the ball a lot, they're not going to win this game. They're not going to win this game. But I, Dak's undefeated against the Niners. And we're, yeah, but Xander, here's the thing. How many times has he, has he beaten Niners when they've been, they've been good? Okay, did he beat the Niners in 2017? In 2016, those teams were like 14, and that and that and that team and 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 when they played the Niners in 2017, they didn't even have a win. So it's a whole different ball game right now. Totally different Niners team. So the whole Dak is uh, you know undefeated against the Niners is irrelevant, and we're getting a healthy Smith back. Well, Tyron Smith. Let's not forget Tyron Smith did struggle. He had a lot of he had some trouble with Chandler Chandler Jones in that game against the Cardinals. So Tyron Smith is he got off to a really good start of the season, but he has worn down a little bit for them. So. I, again, I think this is a close competitive game. I do think the Niners have success on the ground. Even though Elijah Mitchell is questioned, but I think he plays, and I think he has a good game. I do think the Niners have success on the ground. I, I, here's, here's another, we've got a comment from Hector. If Jimmy G doesn't throw an interception, they win. They will win. Great point. I think that, that, that that's a great point. If, if they get the run game going, don't turn the ball over, I definitely think 49ers win because they, they are the better coach. Team. They, the, they got the better defense, and I feel like they got the better coach. So I think this is a close competitive game. I have success on the ground. I do think Dak makes his plays, but I do think the 49ers get some pressure on Dak and they force Dak to make a mistake. I think it comes down to the end. I think the game's tied. It comes down to the end. And I think Jimmy G, again, leads a game-winning drive. And I got the 49ers knocking out the Cowboys and winning 23-20 to in Dallas on Sunday afternoon. But, Justin, can Dak get his second playoff win? I don't think so. I got the Niners 28-24. to Um you know, now Dallas gets off to a fast start. They're 9-0 when they score first this season. So, you know, again, I'm a little worried if Bosa could kind of wreck this game. You know, I think that spread around. It's going to have to get rid of the ball quickly. Can they keep the Niners on the toe with the ability to run the football? Um, you know, Dak the last few weeks has, has looked better than he did the previous couple weeks. But this is a really good Niners defense that's playing pretty well um, right now. And I, I think it's going to be a tough matchup for him. You know, if they're um, – Niners secondary showed a little bit, so like if you know, I so they're physical. They're you know, so I could see like you know the Niners are physical. I could see them getting a couple PI calls and Cowboys um, getting some you know getting a couple you know big yardage you know in a couple of them, which 
could be crucial for the Niners or for the Cowboys. Um, but like another thing too, for the Cowboys offense is they have like the most, you know, their offensive lineman has been called for like the most pen or the Cowboys in a whole have been penalized the most. So again, a holding call, you kind of back yourself up against a good Niners defense. You're going to have trouble, you know, having success against them, you know, and I, so the Cowboys got to say, you know, relatively out of, um, you know, penalty trouble in this game as well. It's at home, you know, again, I just, I can't see McCarthy beating Kyle Shanahan. I think he comes out and has a really good game plan against him. And I see Dak having some success, but I think the Niners defense is just too good. And I think, you know, um, the Niners do run the ball against the Cowboys. And I think they do keep the Cowboys offense off the field long enough. And the Cowboys struggle to kind of keep up in this game. I think they keep it close, but I get, I get the Niners going on the road to win this one 20-24. And you bring up and you bring up penalties and yeah, penalties have been an issue for the Cowboys. It cost them the game against the Raiders. And I could and I could see Justin can't wait. Bart Scott, great great quote there. And and Justin knows though that can't wait quote that was against the Patriots. And, and Bart Scott said that after they beat the Patriots that that one year. So yeah, Xander's pumped mm-hmm. up for the game. But I feel like listen, I think this is the game. And I said it all year. The Cowboys could win a playoff game. I think this has kind of been the round where the Cowboys have had success. You go back to two thousand nine. Uh, they won. They won in the wild card round. The last three times the Cowboys have won in the wild card round. The last two times, three times the Cowboys have been in the wild card round. They have won. 2009, they beat the Eagles. 2014, they beat the Lions, and then 2018, they beat the Seahawks. The Cowboys have been very, very good in the wild card round recently. The divisional round. I mean, that's that's another conversation. That's that they've been absolutely terrible in that round. But I, I think the Cowboys very, very easily could win this game. I just think the I got to pick an upset this week, and I think the 49ers. Are, they're not as good as they're obviously not as good as they were two years ago, but they're still a good team. And, and I think with their run game and with their defense, I think they and their coaching, I think that they win a close one against the Cowboys. But this, I think, should be the most competitive game of wild card of wild card weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, yeah, this is gonna be back and forth battle. Probably comes down to the last possession. Um, yeah, like again, they think the Niners with you know just all around. Yeah, because I the Cowboys since um. Their week nine loss, it was at Denver. They're giving up like 120, 120 rushing yards a game. Like, I, I think the Niners are going to be able to continue to run the ball against them. And I, I think, you know, Cowboys don't have the ball long enough. But yeah, I think Shanahan out coaching McCarthy, he's, you know, um, you know, the Shanahan's Trevor has been better than, you know, um, McCarthy. I just, I, you know, I trust him better. And you know, I think they, you know, Shannon comes out with a good game plan. You know, because he always, Shannon, you can always count on Shannon to script a really good first drive. And I could see like the Niners getting the ball going down, having like a seven, eight minute possession. And, you know, San Francisco goes up seven nothing. I'm sorry, but it was Dallas over San Francisco. That was a top 10 team all year, both offense and defense. We, we get it, Xander. We get it, Xander. I mean, there, and that's why, you know, looking at those numbers, there's a very, very good chance that. Dallas can win this game. I, I think there's a very good chance they can win this game. And it just, ooh, 27-14, that's a little <laughs> – I mean, it's possible. It's possible. They can get that run game going. That They could get pressure on if, – if the Niners don't get the run game going, that's possible. But I, I, th- I think it's going to be close either way. I mean, Xander Light really likes the boys this week against the Niners. I got a little bit, I got a little bit more respect for a team that went to the Super Bowl two years ago and has players that played at the Super Bowl two years ago. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, as we said, this is probably the most competitive game 
of, of wild card weekend. But here's the one thing, Xander. If the Cowboys do win, I'm not going to say this year's. What I will admit this year was different is that they beat the Buccaneers in the end of, in the next week. Then I will then I will admit on this show that this year is different. But even if they win this game, I'm not going to admit this year's different. The 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 one the one way I'll the one the only way I will admit it is it is different is if they beat the Buccaneers in the divisional round. Yeah, for me, I I tried trusting the Cowboys against Arizona a couple weeks ago. That did not go it didn't well. Work. Um, no, it did not. So yeah, I've kind of lost faith in the Cowboys again. They're six and five against teams outside of the division. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Again, they they went six and zero. Oh, yeah, they yeah. destroyed everybody they should be should have. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so, you look at yeah, you look at that record. Yeah, they're great inside the division, but they're not. They've been kind of been a, they've been average outside the division. Yeah, and that's I think that's what it comes down to. You know, you the top of the line teams that they lost to the Cardinals. You know, the Chiefs, the Raiders were kind of fluky when Denver was fluky. They just didn't play well, and then obviously Tampa. Like you know, yeah, they lost to some pretty good teams, but like the Raiders game and Denver was unacceptable. Kind of the way they played those days. So yeah, I you know for the yeah for the Cowboys to kind of be different this year that yeah for me too it's got to get to the nfc championship game you know most likely you're probably either playing you know tampa or you know or tampa or yeah or yeah tampa or i don't think there's a chance oh yeah because they're the three seats so they wouldn't play green bay it would be tampa next week the only the only way the only way they wouldn't play tampa is if philadelphia beat tampa they would play the winner of the uh of the, of the Cardinals Rams game. That's the only way they wouldn't play Tampa is if, 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 uh, if, if the only way they wouldn't play Tampa is if Philly beat them. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I forgot they're not the four. I don't know why I thought they were the four seed for a minute. I thought maybe there's a possibility they go to um, green Bay, but so yeah, you know, like they'll probably have to go to Tampa more than likely next week. And I just can't see them knocking off Tom, Tom Brady and the bucks. Maybe they can, you know, I think they're, they're more than talented, talented to be able to do it, especially with the bucks offense kind of, being a little bit banged up still, I could see it. I just I'm not very confident. But if they do, yeah, this year's different from Dallas. I could see them going to run Super Bowl because they more than enough have a talent to make a run the Super Bowl. You know, I just have not seen the team put it all together against a quality opponent. And I need to see that before I kind of say this year is different for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. And what I said last week about the Cowboys, they're just outside of Micah Parsons, there's nothing great about the Cowboys. There really isn't. Dak Prescott's not great. Neither are the wide receivers. They're both good. There's depth at the receiver position. Cooper and Lamb are good. They're not great. Trayvon, Tavon Diggs, yeah, he had a great – he had 11 picks. But he, he but he also gives up a ton of big plays. He's not great. The only thing that's great about the Dallas Cowboys is Micah Parsons. That's it. That's why I just don't think they're going to win more than one playoff game. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Mike, Mike Parsons had an unbelievable rookie year. Well-deserved. He's going to get defensive rookie play there. He's really changed that defense. But, yeah, like, you know, yeah, they may not have top-of-the-line kind of quarterback at the wide receivers. They just have so much depth on that offensive side of the ball that it just kind of plugged up a lot of holes. And Kellen Moore is a really good offensive coordinator and really creative with that offense. So, like, yeah, you know, they don't have, like, the, you know, you know, the Stephon Diggs, the DeAndre Hopkins-type wide receivers. Again, they have a great duo in Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. But, yeah, you know, it's a it's a good team um, – it's a good Dallas team, but it's not, you know, I just don't think they could put it all together to go knock off a Tampa Bay or a Green Bay on the road. I just cannot see that happening. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So we got to get to probably the least, the game that will probably be the biggest blowout of wild card weekend, and that is the Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to Kansas City to play the Chiefs. They played two weeks ago. This game was a complete blowout, and I think it's going to be more of the same. I mean, Mike, Tom, Mike Tomlin has done a great job. 
getting this team to the playoffs with pretty pretty much on Big Ben's pretty much on his last leg now. He can't even throw the ball more than 10 yards. I mean, they're gonna have to rely on Najee Harris to do everything. And I just don't think, even though the Chiefs struggle a little bit against the run, he's not gonna be able to he's not gonna be able to do anything. Uh um it's it's just uh and we just got a comment here. At their best, the best teams are Cincinnati and Dallas. Uh, that, 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 no, 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 no. I mean, I, I, I like Cincinnati this year, but there are issues with Cincinnati. I think the offensive line, the defense isn't great, the coaching isn't great, and Dallas. I told you why Dallas is not one, one, one of the one of the top one of the top teams. I I, I, I explained that. Uh, I explained that a couple minutes ago. So yeah, no, 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 no. Cincinnati. They're they're both good teams. They're they're both not great teams, and I think they're both teams you're not going to see uh, in the conference championship game. No, absolutely not. Maybe Cincinnati, two to three years down the road, maybe they kind of build that offensive line a little bit more. They you know, they kind of fix the secondary. Maybe in a couple of years, Cincinnati's a team to be in the AFC, but not right now. I think they're at a good spot for the future. Um, and then isn't twelve and a half too many for Kansas City? I know you're no, not. No, no, no. I think no, it I, could. Be. I I'll take no, Tomlin. no. No, 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 no. I don't think it's an it's it's too much. No. I think Kansas City. I think and no, no, no. I'll go. I'll go, I'll go to the game. I think Kansas City completely blows them out again. I think that TJ Watt's not going to be a factor because they're they're going to play that two deep zone with the with the two. They're going to play those two safeties deep and they're going and they're going to run the ball. They're going to they're going to run those crossing routes. They're going to be able to move the ball. Mahomes is going to throw a couple touchdowns. And on offense, Kansas City's going to they're going to get they're going to get behind. They're gonna, Pittsburgh's going to get behind like fourteen nothing early, and they're going to be able to they're going to be able to they're going to they're going to have to throw the ball. And then Chris Jones and Melvin Ingram are going to have big days getting pressure on Big Ben, which is going to force turnovers. That's why this game being a blowout. And that's why I got Kansas City winning it 30, 31 to thirteen. It's I don't like the fact the Steelers are in the playoffs because it's not going to be an entertaining game. We all know the team that should be in the postseason. And that's the that's the Chargers, but the problem is they don't have a head coach. That's the problem. That's why they're not in the postseason. Their head coach is should. I mean, what he what the stuff he did is fireable. Even though it's his first year, some of the stuff he did is is fireable. Some of the stuff that uh Brandon Staley did. I mean, come on, going for it at your own twenty yard line. That's that 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 that, that is idiotic. And then the and then the, the timeout. Yeah, yeah. And then, but you could say because they went to OT. Raiders got three points off of that. So if the Raiders never, if the, they punted that ball away, who knows? The Raiders get the three points there. They they made they they handed the Raiders three points there. Yeah, and, and, then, and, yeah. and then the inexcusable timeout too. So the yes. only reason the Steelers are in the playoffs is because the Chargers do not have a do not do not have a good head coach right now. So I, yeah, I just don't think it's going to be a game. But Justin, the question is, and you kind of disagree with me here: Can TJ Rout wreck the game and help the Steelers? And the Chiefs season. I think he can. I have the yeah, Chiefs 23-17. My last thing on Staley here is yeah, I now I don't know remember you I don't know if you remember this. Brett Bumo a couple years ago at Arkansas. They fired him literally the moment he hit hit the locker room, they fired him immediately. Like I'm surprised it did not happen to Brandon Staley. If I was a GM, I, I would have met him on the field and fired him. But I, again, I guess it's I, I don't know why you want him back. But um anyways for this game, TJ Watt, I think you know. He was held in check last game, but I think, yeah, he may not be able to get a ton done defensively, but I trust Mike Tomlin in this, in the, in Pittsburgh. I can't see them getting ran out of the building like they did in Kansas city a couple weeks ago. I can't see them getting ran out of Pittsburgh like they did last year in the playoffs. I cannot see them getting embarrassed again. Um, I think Mike Tomlin's a solid coach. I think they keep this thing close. You know, look, if they can get like Casey Hayward going, Wormley getting after Mahomes and then kind of open sense things up for Watt. I know they're probably yet going to play the two high safety, so they're probably not going to bring a ton of pressure. But I think TJ Watt's good enough to be able um, 
you know, to to, to ride, try to make some plays. I know it's going to be tough to probably gonna get double teamed in this game or more definitely going to get double teamed. But, again, I think, you know, the Pittsburgh offense and their special team didn't really help them at all last time around in this game. I know Kansas City missed a lot of weapons in this one. But I'll take Mike Tomlin and, you know, this is probably it. Yeah, this is it for Ben Roethlisberger. I see this team going out, playing hard for him, keeping this game close. And, yeah, T.J. Moore, I don't think wrecks it just because of the defensive Steelers play. But I think he makes enough plays in this game. And I think their defense do, too, to keep this thing close. I don't think they're going to go in there and win it. But I'll take Mike Tomlin. You know, the 12 and a half, I think it's a lot. He doesn't get blown out a ton. I think they keep it close. Yeah, he doesn't get blown out a ton, but there's been a lot of times he's gotten blown out this year, though. I mean, he got blown, he got blown yeah. out that game in Cincinnati. He got blown he got game in Cincinnati. He's got blown out. He got blown out in Kansas City. He's gotten blown out more this year than other years. I mean, I mean, I I just think I, I mean I know Tomlin's a really good coach, but the Steelers on paper should not be they should not be a playoff team. They shouldn't be in the playoffs. And Kansas City, I know they had that one loss, but they've been playing but they've they've been playing better than anybody in the AFC right now. So that's why I think this game is a blowout. Yeah, no, I see your point. Kansas City right now, the way they're playing. I didn't think they played great Saturday. You know, they, they got that like that late play late kind of to, or you know, put that final touchdown up late. But um yeah, I you know, I, I could totally see because that first game was an absolute mismatch. And again, I thought maybe Pittsburgh would keep it close because of everybody, no Kelsey, no Hill. Um, but they, yeah, they, you know, they did get blown out again. Yeah, big end. Um, Ben Rafford does not have the arm he used to. You know, they again, they're gonna have their defense gonna have to force turnovers for him. Yeah, Mahomes has been playing really well. I think you know, they could have success, Kansas City again, running the football against them. Uh, but like again, I, I think second time around, I just see Tomlin keeping this thing close. I just think too with this being Big Ben's last game, I think the Steelers just lay it out all out there, and I think they do figure out a way to keep this thing close. But yeah, I you know I, I could totally see them going it going out there and getting losing by twenty. I could absolutely see it, but I don't know. I have a feeling that they somehow keep this thing close and it and for Big Ben kind of keep them in a fight. And here's comes to have come from Hector. I believe it's intriguing that the Steelers made the playoffs in a division that had so many issues. And it seems like nobody wanted to win that division. And I'm okay with them making it. Yeah, I mean, the Steelers this year, in my opinion, benefited from a ton of Ravens injuries. Because if the Ravens were healthy, they were clearly a better team. They they benefited from the Ravens injuries and the Browns' complete dysfunction. They, yeah, it, it, so that's why I think the Steelers made the playoffs. The, yeah, the the Browns were, and, that, and those were four of their four of their nine wins came against four of their nine wins came against those teams. So yeah, so that's 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 exactly that's that's why the Steelers made the playoffs. Browns dysfunction and uh, and all the Ravens injuries. Yeah, absolutely. You know the the Ravens. You know it just yeah because the Ravens were eight and three and they finished eight and nine. Like they, they you know after week twelve they were sitting there pretty in first place in the in the AFC. You know, but yeah, they kind of with all the injuries, they just could not. You know, Harbaugh's such a good coach; they just could never. After you know, after week twelve, just it just kind of caught up to him. Lamar got hurt and all that, and they just weren't able to kind of finish it off. But yeah, you know, the Bengals again. The Bengals are surprising me, and uh, you know, uh, and then excuse the comments in the Colts. Yeah, good, yeah, the Colts. Well, that's another. Yeah. That's another story. Carson the Wentz. Colts losing to the Jag. Oh yeah, that Carson Wentz. I mean, yeah, that's uh, a, yeah. He's he, he, yeah, They can't I, get out of that contract. That's the problem. Everybody in that, everyone there is on the line next year. Carson Wentz, Frank Wright, uh, uh, Ballard. Uh, Chris Ballard. All those guys are on the line there. So I mean, 
Yeah, I mean that's going to be yeah those guys they don't if they're not good if they're not in the playoffs next year all those guys are going to get fired. Yeah, that's another that's another story. I mean I know that's a that's a small market so nobody really talks that much about the Colts but that was a that was an embarrassment that was terrible on Sunday what happened to them against Jacksonville they were completely unprepared to play that game. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like, that was the best of Jaguars have looked all year. Offensively, Trevor Lawrence, was the, the Trevor Lawrence, I think we all thought we were going to see this year. And, yeah, you know, again, everybody was going in there. All the Jag fans were going in there wearing, like, the clown suits and, like, you know, just wanting the owner to kind of sell the team. And it, it came out and they played a great game, you know. Uh, Jonathan Taylor couldn't do those, you know. Again, Carson Wentz, I just don't think he's one of those guys that can, in the moment, he needs a big win. I just, he just has not proved he's that guy. And I, that kind of was the issue. And Jacksonville just – Jacksonville dominated him on the line of scrimmage, which I, I thought was – I did not think that was going to happen. But they dominated him often, you know, on both sides of the line of scrimmage, which was really crazy, I thought. Yeah. Well, and mm-hmm. obviously – and we got a comment from Xander. We're going to hold on that comment because we got to talk about the last wild card playoff game. And that's between two NFC West teams. we got the Cardinals uh, heading to L.A. to face the Rams. Uh, I think this is a close competitive game between these two teams. I think the 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 the, uh, the Cardinals will have some success running the ball with Connor and with with the Chase Edmonds. Uh, I think Matthew Stafford he's banged up, but I think he'll he'll have a he'll have a pretty good game. I think the running game will be pretty good with if Cam Akers comes back and so new Michelle. So I think they'll be able to run the ball. I do think the quarterbacks will turn the ball over once each ones each one will turn the ball over once. Uh, at the end of the day, I think the biggest difference is DeAndre Hopkins is not going to play. And if you look at this Arizona Cardinals team, their Cardinal team, they're one and three when DeAndre Hopkins hasn't played. Yes, he hasn't put up the big numbers this year, but the team's one and three without DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins has kind of been the game changer for this Cardinals team. It's kind of been one of the one of the one of the reasons why this team has turned it around over the last couple of years. I think it's a close competitive game, but I got the Rams advancing Monday night, beating the Cardinals 24-20. But Justin, can Kyler Murray outplay Stafford for them to get their first playoff win? I don't think so. Now I agree with the Facebook user. Hate hate this game. Uh, cards. If I have to pick, Stafford goes zero four in the playoffs. I, I I'll be seriously honest. I just want to pick the team as a tie because I don't trust either of these teams right now. I, I can't. I, I wanted to pick I the Cardinals. Trust Matthew Stafford. I, I wanted to. I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to uh, uh, pick the Cardinals to go against you, but I just couldn't do it without DeAndre Hopkins. I knew you were going to pick yeah. the Rams because you just can't stand Cliff Kingsbury. But I wanted to pick the Cardinals. I just couldn't do it without DeAndre Hopkins. No, yeah, that's that's a big yeah, that's a big storyline in this game. And you know, I know the Cardinals have been great on the road. They're what eight and one, and they're like five and four at home, or or four and four, something or three and five, something like that. They've not been great at home in Seattle. Again, like again, big spot. You know, you kind of still have a chance to win the division, and you go out there and you lay egg against Seattle at home. You give up 30 point, 38 points to Seattle offense that struggled for the first 16 weeks of the year. I, you know, Hector um, Tommy wouldn't have this game if the Rams would have beaten the Niners at all. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, the Ram- Rams would have been the two seed. Buck would have been the three of going to play the Eagles, and then the Rams would have played the Saints, and the Cowboys would have played the Cardinals. No, the Cowboys, uh, Cardinals would have been another good one. Um, then we go rematch, but yeah, so very close. And the nine day, you know, that's another thing that the Rams actually blew that one last week, you know, in the second half, you know. Um, but like for 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 the game, Kyle Murray's played better on the road this year. He's got 13 touchdowns, of three INTs, and then at home, he's got 11 touchdowns, of seven INTs, you know. I, and I think for Arizona, which helps, I think they feel comfortable going on the road because they, for whatever reason, they put a lot better at on the road than at home. 
I don't know why. Now I don't I don't know how many fit because I like the Rams is probably going to be probably a split. Like it, that was a totally San Francisco Niners crowd on Sunday, which is you know I guess not surprising. I don't know how many. I think for the no the, for the for the playoffs this crowd will show up and then and the Cardinals don't have as many fans as the Niners, so it won't, it won't be it will not be the same situation. Uh, and, and I feel like the Ram crowd is going to show up Monday night. Yeah, it shouldn't. I, you know, I hope they do because that's a beautiful stadium, and I know it's kind of you know I know kind of split in the team that hasn't been there. You know, they were there like back in the eighties and nineties or yeah eighties nineties. You know, moved back a couple years ago. But yeah, and hopefully they do you know, show up for that team. Cause I heard there's a couple guys that were really disappointed in the fan base that they did not show up on Sunday for him. Um, but yeah, going back to the game, I, I think Murray's he's had a couple, you know, they, they gotta be able to limit the turnovers in this game. Not having Hopkins is going to hurt as you mentioned, but they still have a lot of weapons this game. I know most of those running backs are still all questionable this week. We'll see what they have for the running game. Cause the game they won, Chase Edmonds had 120 rushing yards that they were able to establish that, you know, in that game. In LA, where they won 37 to 20, they're going to have to be able to do that again. You know, the Rams secondary is not great. I think they ranked 24th in you know past defense, but um, I, I think they're you know, but I can't trust Cliff Kinbear in this game. I think you know Murray makes a mistake or two. Again, I could see Stafford making the same thing, but I think the the thing is, if you know, I think the biggest thing is what quarterback takes advantage takes more advantage off of turnovers and good field position. And I'll take the more veteran guy, Matthew Stafford, his first career playoff one, 20 to 21. Yeah, it's just, yeah, you, you, the thing is in this game, you just don't, tr- it's, it's weird. As you said, you don't trust Stafford in the playoffs, but, you know, but this Arizona team just hasn't played well. Ever since they've started 7-0, and they've been 5-6. and They've really been a 500 team over the second, uh, uh, really towards the second, towards the second half of the season. They've been a 500 team. So, really, it's two teams you kind of don't trust in the in this spot. But they are two yeah. teams that are. But they are two teams that are Super Bowl contenders, though. Oh, absolutely! I think both teams' rosters they have the talent to make Super Bowl. I think, yeah, you know, like, yeah, these five teams definitely have the talent. Again, I, I think the top, you know, like I think the Niners are a Super Bowl roster too. Like, I, you know, I think that's the tough thing in the NFC. Like, there's a lot of really good teams that could make a run to the Super Bowl, and I think it makes that thinks this playoff so much more intriguing. Um, but yeah, like it's. Just like the Rams have kind of been up and down. I thought they put a really good first half last week. In the second half, they just fell apart, you know, late in that game. And then, yeah, for Arizona, it just kind of been – they were great the first seven weeks. They were just throttling teams. And then all of a sudden, it just – they kind of just – whatever, you know, fell apart. Just the inconsistency. I know Murray was hurt, but, you know, Cole McCoy, the game in Seattle, he played really, really well. You know, they just have not – it's kind of just been consistency for the Cardinals. You know, they – Again, they've kind of hurt themselves with penalties and big key spots. They've had turnovers, you know, time management's been an issue. And, you know, I think it, you know, this game comes down to the coaching and I'll take McVay over, you know, Kingsbury in this game. And I think they, you know, McVay draws something up well offensively for Stafford. I think he plays well enough. And I think that's why um, they win this game at home. And McVay has owned owned Cliff Kingsbury throughout his throughout his career. He's five and one against Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he can't beat Kyle Shanahan, but he owns owns Cliff Kingsbury. He owns Cliff Kingsbury. So yeah, that's I think that is that that is I think that is the difference maker in this game. Yeah, absolutely. I just think, yeah, McVay's kind of been here long enough. He knows how to get the Super Bowl. He did it with Jerry Goff again. I think he can do it with Matthew Stafford. Um, and yeah, I, I just think you know they. Rams, you know, I'll I'll take them. They they have guys in that 
both sides of the ball that have been to the Super Bowl. Arizona doesn't. And I think it's also another reason why it, and yeah, McVay has owned uh, Cliff Kingsbury the first three years that, you know, he, he's that Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury had been in the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She absolutely has. But it should be an interesting game on Monday night. But we got to get to um, more coach change in the NFL. We got to get to one that made absolutely no sense on Monday. And that was the Miami Dolphins firing Brian Flores, which was an absolutely horrendous move by Stephen Ross. And even worse, he keeps Chris Greer, who drafted Tua over Justin Herbert. Horrendous, horrendous move by, uh, by, by Stephen Ross. Absolutely pathetic. I mean, Brian Flores did it. I did a great job in Miami. I did a real good. I'm not saying great, but a really good job in Miami. I mean, they, obviously that that year where you went five and eleven, they were supposed to win like one or two games. Last year they go ten and six, they miss the playoffs, and then this year they start one and seven. And a lot of teams when they start one and seven quit. They end up having a winning record. They end up going nine and eight. So a horrible, horrible move by Stephen Ross. And you're lucky the Dolphins are in your division because they continue not to know. They continue to not know what they're doing. And we got a good comment from Xander too. Uh, if I was if I was Jerry Jones, I'd fire McCarthy and hire Flores in a heartbeat. I think that's something oh, the Cowboys man. should should do. But the problem is Jerry Jones ain't moving off a coach after they win the division. That ain't happening. He stuck Jason Garrett for eight years. He ain't moving mm-hmm. off Mike McCarthy if they lose on Sunday. No, absolutely not. I don't think that will happen. I know Cowboys tend to love that. Again, that's – would be the right move to go get Brian Flores because I think that's the guy that's going to get you guys over the top. But, yeah, I, I can't see Jerry do it. I, I, I really can't. And I don't think Flores will want to be a puppet in that organization. I just can't see Flores wanting to be a puppet. And, I, you know, um, so, yeah, I think Jerry would have to kind of hold back some of his um, duties, but I, I can't see him wanting to do that. So, yeah, I think the Cowboys should do it. I just can't see it happening. Um, and then my thoughts, yeah, because Chris Gear Greer, he's been with the organization since 2000. You know, like what have they done since 2000? Not much. They like, haven't even won a playoff all. game since he's been in. If I if won one playoff game since he's been in the organization, that's pathetic. That's why the yeah. they're the Dolphins, and they and they earn the right for me to say that they, they are the because something good was they were making progress as an organization, and they make a terrible, terrible decision getting rid of Flores. Oh, absolutely. I don't know. They finally thought, you know, finally for the first time since like 2000, I think they actually had a head coach that I think, you know, was going to lead in the right direction. And it's, you know, yeah, I know probably, you know, expectation would be better. They started one and eight. They got on a roll. You know, they ended the season again. Who else in that, you know, who are they going to hire now that's going to be able to sweep build Belichick? I don't think there's many guys out there that you're going to get that's going to be able to beat the Patriots like Brian Flores has. He's won his la- He's won four of his last five games against Bill Belichick. He was four and two against Belichick. I, and, and granted, these were not. This was. The, I mean, the last two years it hasn't been the same Patriot team since Brady left. But still, I mean, you're beating one. You're, be- you're You've won four out of five against the best coach in football. That's that's still good. Oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. He then his teams have played well against him. You know. He's always had a good game plan. Not, you know, that's the thing. He's always had a good game plan for the Patriots. And, you know, like Sundays, he's, they script that thing beautifully, that first offensive drive. You know, they, they pretty much controlled that game from, you know, open kickoff. Um, but, yeah, it's like you finally find a guy that you think is going to help you start to contend for this division with the Patriots kind of starting to turn directions here with their new quarterback. Again, the Bills are on top of the division, but, the, you know, Jets are still in the rebuild. You know, you kind of see some progress. And then the Dolphins, you kind of felt like, progression and now it's like 
you're taking a couple steps back again. And that's what they've been doing since 2000. You know, I know Tua hasn't kind of been the guy that they've thought of. And, yeah, I just don't get why you you fire the guy that took Tua. It's not for his fall. And, again, I, you know, I, it sounds like the, the relationship was not great with Flores and Tua. But, again, if you really want well, Flores, two, you really wanted to go in the right direction. Well, the thing is, Tua has not proven that he's a franchise quarterback. He's not proven that. Brian no. Flores has proven that he's a good coach in this league. So, in that situation – you got it. You if, if yeah, the relationship's not great, but you still you can't get rid. Like say you know him and Justin Herbert didn't have a good relationship, or him and Joe Burton have a Burton didn't have a good relationship. Yeah, you get rid of the coach, yeah. but Tua has not proven to be one of those two guys. So that's why you got to keep the coach. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and then I know he's been want Floyd's been wanting Watson, and that's a move where you know again, I who knows what's going on with Watson's legal legal trouble, but you know because it's been so quiet. But you know, again, if you kind of check into that kind of, you know, with Houston, see what's going on. Again, I think they kind of try, if you really like Flores and they should have, you try to make the call to Houston and try to figure out what's going on with Deshaun Watson and try to bring him here because, yeah, you, you finally have a coach. Deshaun Watson's been a proven NFL quarterback at this level. Again, that's why it, you're exactly right. This is why the, the the Dolphins have been the Dolphins for the last 20 or so years. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So we got to get to some more uh, coach firings, and we'll, we'll just go through them all. We'll just go through all, th- all, all four of them, uh, four of them quick. Uh, Bear, none of these were none, of, no, no, three of them quick. None of these were surprised at all. I mean, Bears firing Matt Nagy and uh, and, and Ryan Pace, uh, Vikings firing Mike Zimmer and and Rick Spielman, and then the Broncos firing uh, Vic Fangio. All. Uh, all are all, all aren't surprises. I mean, Ron, Matt Nagy. We knew since week three that he was on thin ice. Ryan Pace. I mean, pretty much. I mean, when you when you take uh, when you, when you take uh, Mitch. Uh, Mitch Trubisky over Patrick Mahomes, that's a that's a fire offense right there. And uh, yeah. and and in Minnesota, Mike Zimmer. Uh, I just I feel like you know his strength was defense. The last two years, the team was under 500, and a big reason why they were under 500 wasn't because of their offense; it was because of their defense. So I feel like a chance. He did a, he did a good job. He beat there, got him to an NFC, won a couple playoff games, got him to an NFC championship game in 2017. But I think it was time there to move on. And obviously, Rick Spielman, I think he's been there since 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 2012. Uh, so I think it was time to move on from him as well. And then in Denver with uh, Vic Fangio. Uh, three consecutive losing seasons. I think, you know, yes, they could have given him another year with a legitimate. I think the problem with him is he never really had a good quarterback when he was the head coach there, but the, the, the really good coaches figure it out without a quarterback. You, you look at, you look at Mike Tomlin, he was over 500 this year with, with bad quarterback play. He hasn't really had a good quarterback play for three years and he still doesn't have a losing season. You look at Sean Payton, I mean, st- still a nine and eight with, with, without having good quarterback play. And even Bill Belichick last year, probably had one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. And was and still won and still won seven games and uh, the quarterback still won seven games. Fangio's his team, Joe, his teams won seven games twice, won five games. So it made sense to get rid of him. Justin, your thoughts on all those moves? Yeah, Nagy, we do that one was coming for a while. Just again, he was supposed to be an offensive kind of genius. It just never really, you know. Again, the first two years with Mitch, again they were not great. Their defense kind of let them. They, their offense was just never great under Matt Nagy. You know, the last few years, just, they just have no off of the line, no weapons. Again, their defense kind of was good, but it was not good as those first two years when they did make the playoffs. Um, it's kind of just been all downfall. Yeah, we everybody kind of knew that one was coming with the GM as well. 
You know, even Deshaun Watson, even picking Mitch Trubisky over Deshaun Watson was the fire. I kind of skipped that because of all the things yeah. that are going on with Watson. I, I yeah. know I, I mean, yeah, right. Watson and Mahomes was obvious, but I just I didn't talk about Deshaun Watson. Yeah, going on with him right now. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right about that. About with all the you know Watson stuff happening right now. Um, and then yeah, with the with the Vikings, I think yeah, it was definitely time to move on. You know, as you mentioned, his niche with the defense or defense at first. You know, six years, five, six years there was really, really good. Always one of the best in the league. And but it was like they always make the playoffs one year, then they go eight and eight, they make the playoffs again, and then you know they they fall back to like seven and nine, something like that. So it was always inconsistency. He won a couple of playoff games, but yeah, the last two years their defense has just totally not been good. Um and it's a problem. And yeah, I think it was time for a change in Minnesota. And then yeah, Vic Vangio, I think you know their roster, you know. Defensively, is pretty good. Again, like I think they had all the, you know, they had a lot of young weapons. Again, they just did not have that quarterback, you know. And yeah, you know, you're right. Good coaches figure out ways to, you know, to to win without, you know, good quarterback play, and he just never was able to do it. You know, like I thought something too. They they never used Jerry Judy. You picked him so high up there, and it's like you don't try to get this guy the ball. You don't try to really get him involved because I think he's gonna he's just phenomenal, phenomenal wide receiver. You know, like I, I think you know they got to go offense there, but yeah, it just their defense has been pretty good. Their offense just could not, and it's a really tough division with the Chargers on the way up. Obviously, with Kansas City, again, we see the Raiders being in the playoffs as well. Tough division, but that that one too, you kind of saw was going to come if they did not make the playoffs this year. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So it should be interesting to see what happens with the coaching carousel. But we got to move on to college football and a team. And Georgia wins their first national title in almost in four in forty years. But before we talk about that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. Do you have a four hundred one k and some savings for future retirement that you don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? And how often do you think about it? The team at JPEX Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies doing the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident with your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website or give us a call at 860-430-5397. All righty, the Georgia Bulldogs are national champions for the first time since 1980. The Georgia Bulldogs win the national championship. They defeat uh, Alabama 33-18. to and, and as I said before the game, I think Georgia had a great game plan on defense getting pressure on Bryce Young, and it made all the difference. They did a great job stopping the run uh, with Brian Robinson. They held him to 60 like, – I think they held him to 68 yards rushing. Uh, uh, and, and then I, I think the first half, Georgia struggled to run the ball. They played good defense in the first half, so they struggled to run the ball. Uh, they In the second half, Georgia did exactly what they wanted to do in the game. They were able to run the ball. They did it on two of their two of their dry, two of their three drives where they scored touchdowns. They were able to run the ball, and their defense – confused Bryce Young all night long and how fitting was it that with with how great this defense has been all year this has been clearly the best defense in the country maybe the best defense we've seen in on almost a decade in college football the the defense winning the game making that play having that pick six winning the game and sealing the national championship for Georgia 
Uh, uh, huge win for Kirby Smart, uh, for, for him in that program, and a huge win for Georgia, uh, beating Alabama, winning that national championship. I mean, we all know four years ago they lost that brutal game to them when Tua came in at halftime and came back to beat them. They get revenge, and they beat Bama. Justin, your thoughts on Georgia finally winning a national title? Yeah, you know, good for them. Um, you know, as you mentioned, it's, again, like that that defense is a generational talent, especially at the college football level nowadays where it's just all offense. That that, that team was led by their defense. And they have a walk-on quarterback in Sesson Bennett that in that first quarter just looked absolutely rattled, and it looked like the moment was going to be too bright for him. He settled in that big kind of trick play there in the second quarter, kind of, I think, really helped them settle in. Uh, you know, good for Georgia. It's been a while. They've been kind of knocking the door for the last few years. They have not been able to get with the hump. They finally do. And, you know, good for the Georgia. You know, they first one since 1980. They get that monkey off their back now. And, you know, it was a pretty good game. You know, again, Georgia kind of went up two scores late with that pick six, but it was a pretty good game. And, you know, it was nine, six and a half. And the, Second half, kind of the third, fourth quarter got pretty exciting there for the officer to kind of get going. But, yeah, great for Georgia. And, you know, um, that Georgia-Alabama rivalry should continue here for for quite a while, even after Saban retires. I, I think that that's going to be – Lawrence Kirby's there, and, and Georgia should be always on top. So that should be a fun rivalry as it has been the last few years, and it should be for years to come. I don't know if you know this or not. I might be putting you on the spot here. Do they play next year? Um, I do not believe they do. Yeah, because they, they played they played two years ago, but because that was a weird schedule though that year. But yeah, I don't think yeah. I, I don't think they play next year. But but yeah, I mean, just a, a great win for 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 Georgia. Uh, but the big question is is does this change the perception of Kirby Smart? And I think it absolutely does. The fact he's won a national championship, the fact that he that he proved he could win a big game. He was the coach clearly under the most pressure going into the college football playoff. It wasn't Jim Harbaugh. It wasn't I mean, Jim Harbaugh, yeah, he hasn't won big games, but he wasn't expected to, you know, he wasn't expected to get to the college football playoff. I think it was an accomplishment for Harbaugh to beat Ohio State. Uh, for Kirby Smart, he needed to win a national championship he, because of the talent he had on defense. The most pressure was on him, and he and he delivered. He won the national championship. So, do you think the perception has changed uh, for Kirby Kirby Smart by winning on Monday night? Yeah, absolutely. I think it does. You know, he got that monkey out the back again. I I kind of been somebody that's kind of been hard on him, but you know the 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 in game and the big spots moments that he's kind of messing things up and kind of. Has tried out, you know, has outsmarted himself, and it's really, it really hurt him. But I thought Monday night they had a really good game plan going in. Um, again, he finally got to get got over the hump against Xavier because that's a, you know, that's a team. Georgia was better than Alabama, and you know, I know Alabama lost James to win the middle of that game. Like you know, Alabama, you know, offensive kind of talent there, you know, was not great towards the end of the game. They had a lot of new guys in there, but look, that was, you know, that was a team they. You know, Georgia had to really beat because that was the year. Because next year they're going to lose half that defense. Alabama's got a lot of guys coming back, especially offensively. So, like, yeah, this is huge because this was the year. And the way he's been recruiting, I think, helps even, you know, they've been top five the last year, top three. You know, they, they're going to continue to be that. And, yeah, I think around the country now, again, Kirby Smart, you know, I think that helps, too, of getting rid of that SEC championship game out of there back in – um you know, 2017 of, of like the, the punt there, you know, like the fake punt up two scores. Like, I, I think that will finally like kind of, you know, people will stop bringing that game up because of, you know, what happened again, 
you know, people stop bringing up that national championship game where, you know, they kind of fall apart there in the second half. Um, you know, like, I think people will stop bringing that up. And I think, you know, kind of look back of what this team did and, and what the talent that that defense had, because again, you're, you know, all I, you know, all that, I think that whole defense will, you know, play at the NFL, you know, and I, I think a lot of them too are going to be pretty good players. And again, they're probably going to have three or four first round or early second round picks. So, yeah, they, you know, that defense is special talent. And you wanted two with a walk-on quarterback. You know, J.D. Daniels is a pretty good quarterback, but, again, he just hasn't been healthy last year. They do with a walk-on, which, again, everybody's kind of like you need the five-star quarterback. Well, their defense was that good that they didn't really need it. They just needed Bennett to be good enough. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, that perception changes for Kirby Smart. And you brought it up. Bama returns a lot of guys on offense. Georgia loses a lot of players. What should we expect uh, from these two teams going into the next season? Alabama, I, I, they're, they're going to be probably number one. Them or Ohio State, I think you go. I think Alabama's probably going to be ranked number one. Yeah, that offense mostly is going to come back, you, you know, for Bama. Brace Young, Brian Robinson's gone, but they still have Trey Sanders. Um, you know, wide receiver wise, they're going to lose Metrie. Shea Bolden should come, should be returning. IG Hall, which I think there's they're hoping it's going to be like a big time player defensively. Like you bring back Will Anderson, most of that secondary is coming back. I think Jordan Battles, um, is like you know eligible for the draft, but like a Kool Aid mechanic, um, um, is again, he was a true freshman, he's one of the top corners coming out of high school last year. Like, again, he'll be a sophomore, so like, I most of that defense is going to come back. Like, I this was the year to get Bama or yeah, you, you know, get Bama like Georgia did. And, you know, because yeah, that defense is going to be pretty good next year. Offensively, I think they're going to be good. Like, you know, I think Kirby Smart said it. Like, that was – this was this team was the best coaching job Nick Saban's done because I don't think they – you know, there's a lot of young talent. Especially in that secondary, up front, they had a lot of new people. Because I think offensive line, too, I think Evan Neal's the only one that's going to leave. So, I think you're probably going to see probably about eight offensive guys – seven or eight offensive guys probably come back next year for the Tide. And then for yeah, Georgia, and, and, you can go. Yeah, and you, and you brought it up too for, for Alabama. There were times this year they did not look like a team that was that was uh, going to win that could, uh, could win a, that was going to win a national championship. Remember that LS the Arkansas game they won by a touchdown. The LSU game the LSU game at home that they barely we all know about the Auburn game which they probably should have lost. The Florida game early in the season that was close. So a lot of close games for them. I think a big reason for that is their two most important players were. Uh, we're we're a, we're a sophomore and which we're sophomore. And I think is Bryce Young. He's a he's a redshirt freshman, but he'll be but he'll be he'll he'll be draft eligible after next season. So pretty much yeah. he's a sophomore too. So you had Young and you had Young and uh and and, uh, and oh, Anderson that were freshmen and sophomores. So so yeah, there's a lot of times this Alabama team didn't look like you know it was going to win a national title. So yeah, dude, Nick Saban did do a really good good job. Coach did 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 have do a really good job coaching this year. And here's another question. Do you think with the, is there any chance with the injury to met to, uh, to Jameson Williams that he could possibly come back next year, not enter the draft and possibly come back next year with the ACL injury? Maybe because it's, he's going to be out all next year. So maybe he comes, he kind of rehabs at Alabama kind of gets healthy there. Maybe comes back and waits. Cause you know, I think it is something where, yeah, he's not going to play all of next year. So, like, I think he's a guy – he's probably going to be the top wide receiver taking off the board. Now, maybe he's a late first rounder, may, you know, maybe early second. But it's like it's one of those things where I think it depends of, you know, who wants a wide receiver who's very talented, but you're going to have to probably wait another year. 
And with his explosiveness, like, you know, I hope he makes a full recovery and I think he should. Um, but I, I know what those needed to do. Sometimes you always kind of wonder, but I think it is possible, you know, to come, come back rehab at Alabama next year. I could see it, but you know, it, it'll be very interesting. I could see, see him still declaring again. I think it all comes, I think it comes down to like the meetings when he meets with the, uh, um, or no, he probably won't even be with, cause he's got to declare before all that. So I think it probably depends on how surgery goes and how he's kind of feeling towards the deadline of when he's got announced for the draft. If he, you know, and kind of letting teams know and trying to see, you know, trying to get a feel of where he would kind of be drafted at. But if not, you know, if he thinks he can do better, then hopefully he kind of comes back, rehabs, then goes in the draft in 2023. It maybe, you know, was a top 15 because I do think he's the top wide receiver in this class. And he was going to make, you know, especially because it was kind of to kind of the weaker side of offensive, um, you know, talent and talent positions. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly, exactly. So, what, obviously, do, what what do we what should we expect from Georgia next year? Do you think they have a good chance to repeat as national champions? I think they could struggle next year. I, you know, defensively, they're going to lose six guys on, on that side, at least six guys to the draft um, on the defense side of the ball. On offense, Sesson Bennett could come back, but I know I don't know what JD JT Daniels is going to do if he's going to go draft, he's going to stay, or if he's going to transfer. I'm not sure. But they have this other kid um, who retired this year was one of the top quarterbacks, Jake, uh, Jake um, Wolkraff, who I think is going to probably be the starter next year. Um, he's supposed to be a really good, talented quarterback. They're hoping to kind of become that, like, Stafford, you know, Aaron Murray type, you know, quarterback to kind of lead them. So they could probably go through their bump, you know, bumps early again. But the SEC East, they should roll through. Like, I expect them and, you know, Alabama and Georgia to be right there in the SEC championship game. I expect Georgia probably to be ranked around number five in the preseason poll. Um, you know, offensive talent, like they had a couple freshman wide receivers that are to come back. Like I think, you know, Eric Gilbert, that LSU transfer the tight end, he kind of had some, you know, if he was out all year, it's kind of injury and then kind of dealing some stuff off the field. So he should return next year too. You know, he's a talented wide or tight end. So um, I think Georgia's offense could be a little bit better next year. I just, you know, the, the defense is probably it, more than definitely going to take a step back from, from this year, but they should still win the SEC East um, probably, by, probably by about two games, I, I, I would say. So uh, this college football season, very exciting. We had a lot of exciting games. You know, we, we, we did – the only time we really saw Georgia on the ropes – we really didn't see Georgia on the ropes much, but we saw Alabama on the ropes. We saw, really, outside of Georgia, we saw everybody on the ropes. I mean, it really uh, – I don't think any team went undefeated because because uh, Cincinnati lost and uh, I think Texas San Antonio lost. So I don't think anybody went undefeated. Yep. So this was a fun, exciting college football season. Uh, I'm not buying the whole, you know, defense wins championships because Georgia won. I think a big reason why – Georgia's defense was as dominant as it was was because the quarterback play this year was was not good at all. I think that was that was, that, was, that, that that's another story. I think the quarterback play next year will definitely be better. But overall, I think it was a really really fun college football season and a really enjoyable college football season. But what are your 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 closing thoughts on the on this season? Yeah, you know, it was a good season. It was great to have a lot of kind of upsets more than we usually have, which is good again that kind of with all the extra kind of eligibility that teams had. You know, yeah, the SEC still kind of dominates college football, if you like it or not, you know, up to you. Um, yeah, I thought it was exciting. Again, you know, yeah, the quarterback kind of level was down for most years, but, you know, a lot of guys are going to kind of come back. There's a lot of good young quarterbacks, you know, C.J. Shaw, Bryce Young, you know, that are going to kind of, you know, continue to dominate college football and be top picks 2023. But, yeah, it was a fun year. 
lot of upsets, a lot of craziness. Um, it, it was good. I think college football needed a year like this, even though I know it's still Alabama, Georgia, but with the upsets and kind of Alabama kind of not being the Alabama the last you know 14 years, I think it was good for college football. So, yeah, I think it was a good, fu- good, fun season. It was great to have the fans back in the stadium. That's what makes fo- college football, you know, one of the best sports out there um, because of the passion of the fans. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that was great. To see the fans back in the stadiums, that was outstanding because that was something we definitely missed in 2020. Yeah, absolutely. It did not feel the same without, you know, the big house or, you know, Horseshoe or Beaver Stadium, the whiteout. Like, yeah, you know, all that, you know, the SEC stadiums, all of them. Yeah, it, it, it definitely felt different last year. So, yeah, it was great to have it all back this year and it, you know, made it even more special. All righty. So it should be interesting to see what happens with the college football season next year. But UConn is trying to bounce back from uh, Saturday against St. John's tonight. But we'll talk before we talk about that. we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. The Giants are running New York like the times as Danny is dropping all sorts of dimes. Saquon's thighs are ruining defenses' lives and Leonard Williams making opposing QBs feel him. Receivers think it's scary to line up across James Bradbury and the Giants have a bright future led by coach, judge, jury, and executioner. Tune in to Drawing About the G-Men every Wednesday at 6, live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Which so UConn has a has another Big East game. It feels like they haven't been playing that many Big East games because a lot of them have been getting postponed. Uh, is that game against Providence? Is that officially postponed? Um, I think it will be this afternoon. I think because they need okay. Providence needs five days of quarantine. I they won't match okay. that by Saturday. Okay, yeah, because I was I was looking it up and it said it wasn't postponed yet, but I I yeah I, I got the feeling that it'll probably be postponed. But UConn, yeah. you know, tough game against Seton Hall. They lost they lost an overtime right against the Seton Hall. Yeah. On a, so another close loss from Dan Hurley. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts from that game? They should have won. Um, Terry <laughs> Richmond had twenty two straight points. Um, just stuck man to man, kind of. How does, on How does a guy score twenty two straight points? How does that happen? That's what happens. You stick man to man. You don't try to double. You don't try to go zone. He just took it to him, and I, I Hurley just sat there, like, and I, you know, going to stop him eventually. I, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, that that was that was pretty disappointing because that pretty much because they were up eight before he went on that amazing run by himself. Um, you know, ended the game stuff kind of hurt. You know, their final play was kind of, you know, I, I don't know what that fight. You know. Kill Willard kind of knew he was going to Sinago there. Hey, look, they, the team should be 14 0. They just, you know, you know, they cannot close out games. And I kind of put that on Hurley because of his play calling abilities late in games. It's just they don't run much offense. Um, but it was frustrating. Again, I was surprised though, because I thought they were gonna get ran to the gym the last like 10 minutes because they haven't because their pre- they first their first practice was Thursday. So they had two days before the game and they kind of returned Christmas, but they couldn't practice Christmas. So, like, they were not on the floor together for 16 days. And to come out – and Seton Hall was finally healthy from all their COVID pause, you know, from their COVID pause, and they lost by three in a game you should have won. So, I take that and I say, okay, that was good, but it's just like you lose – because this team really should be 14-0, and they're probably top five. They'd be probably going number one. They'd probably be like the only – they should be the, you know – 
because they should have won all those games that they lost. That's that's the more frustrating thing, and I hope it gets better, but I don't know right now. I, I, I really don't. So going into tonight, they, going into tonight, they play St. John's. St. John's, I remember one at uh, was that at Gamble last year when they upset? Yeah, uh, they upset yeah. guy at Gamble. Oh yeah, because they played every game at Gamble last year. Yeah. So St. John's uh, yeah. comes to Gamble tonight against UConn. What should we expect in this game? What do what do, what do we expect from St. John's? They're coming in at nine four. What kind of team are they? Are they gonna? What kind of challenge do they present for UConn? Well, they are going to press you for 40 minutes. They take they they average 10 steals a game. They average opponents opponents um you know turn the ball against Johnny's 18 times a game. You're gonna have a press break. And this is what worries me is RJ Cole, good ball hander. Gaffney is just this year, I, he just looks a step slow in pretty much every aspect of his game. They may need I you know I don't think Diggins is gonna play tonight, you know, in a type of game like this, but again, like they're gonna need Martin to you know handle the ball in this game. Um, they're going to need a solid press break, but St. John's are going to get up and down, which I think does help UConn because, you know, St. John's are the fourth most or fourth highest tempo team in the country. They're going to get out. I think they average about 80 possessions a game. They played St. or played, they played Providence on the road really well um, on Saturday. The the thing with them, St. John's, they do have Julius with Penny back and Pasha Alexander. Those have been like the two scores all year. Dylan Adi um, Wasu, the last, two big East games has been averaging 18 points a game. So like he's starting to become that third guy, but most of the year St. John's has only really had two guys, you know, Alexander Champagny. So I would expect Martin to kind of be on Champagny tonight. Um, and then probably Andre Jackson on Pasha Alexander, you know, it just St. John's just has not gelled with the transfers like Aaron Wheeler. I think they're expecting more of a kid Purdue transfer from Stanford, Connecticut. Um, Stanford Smith, the Vermont transfer, you know, he's averaging about nine points a game, but the last few he's really struggled um, at the guard position. They need him to start playing better. It's like for St. John's, you just need the guy to step up, but it's just like the the transfers that he's, that Mike Anderson brought in, they just haven't gelled. But it's a team that can score. It's a team that's going to turn you over. So they got to be disciplined. And then Jules Soriano down in the post. Um, last year was a double-double machine at Fordham. He gets in a lot of foul trouble, though. He's only averaging 6.6 rebounds. He just cannot stay on the floor because of foul trouble. They got to get him off the floor because he's 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 a uh, he's a monster down low. I really like watching him play. But it's a team they got to cut down the turnover tonight. They cannot give St. John's fast break opportunities. You know, easy points tonight. Um, again, I'm surprised they're the 11 and a half point favorite. I think St. John's a very good team. I think they're a team that's going to be in the bubble. I think they could sneak in. I think they're good enough. It's a team you should beat. Um, but it, it's going to be a high scoring. It's going to be a track meet. It should be a fun one. It should be a lot of points tonight. I think both teams are going to score a lot. Yeah, so how how should, how do you think UConn plans to contain – I know Champagne can score. How do you think they plan to contain him? I hope they put Martin on him. Um, Martin's been a pretty good defender. Whaley is a pretty good defender, too. I just don't know if he's athletic enough to guard him. Um, I could see him trying to do that as well. You know, I think could, I think Andre Jackson would be more on Pasha Alexander. Um, but Champagne, I think you got to make him force. Um, you know, he's a good three-point shooter. He's good everywhere. I just think you got to try to just deny him, and you just got to make sure that he cannot breathe you know, out there at all. Um, I, I think it's kind of the big thing tonight, you know, to, um, for him to kind of contain him. But, you know, because he's also a pretty good pass. He averages two assists a game, which isn't bad for power forward. Um, but, again, like he's, he's, you know, he's shooting 40% from three. He's a decent foul shooter. Like he's going to he's gonna take his threes, but um, he's a good driver. Like he, they got to kind of keep him out of the paint. Um, you know, he can do a little bit of everything. He's a really good player. Um 
you know, look forward to watching him. But yeah, they, I think Mart's probably going to be mostly on him again. If he can, he can go off on a Kadari Richmond run, which does scare me. But they they have to limit that because again, I rather have somebody else beat us. So again, I think maybe you could kind of see some double teaming just because St. John's hasn't had a ton of guys that have you know stepped up. So I expect to some double teaming, expecting somebody else to try to beat them tonight. Should be interesting. Big uh, UConn continues Big East play against St. John's tonight. But we'll wrap the show talking about John Lester, and uh, he he announced his retirement today. I mean, Lester was a five-time All-Star, three-time World Series champion. Uh, we all remember the no-hitter he threw uh, against the Royals after he came back from after he battled he was battling cancer, and he came back from cancer, and he threw the, and he threw that no-hitter. So that 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 was a that was a great moment there. Uh, I mean, long-time Red Sox and Cub won two World Titles with the Reds with the Red Sox, one with the Cubs. He was just solid. He was just a solid pitcher in his prime. It was never great, but he was just solid. He he was just a solid pitcher. I don't know if he's going to be a Hall of Famer or not, but he was just a solid pitcher and had a really, really good career. And it was, it was, he pitched for the Red Sox. Yes, he had some short stints with the A's and the uh, and the Cardinal, uh, Cardinals and Nationals, but mainly he pitched for the Red Sox and Cubs, and he had a solid career. Yeah, absolutely. He was always the guy when the Yankees had to face him. You saw him, you know, you saw him as the next day probably. You know, I was you never felt confident going up against him because he was, you know. Yeah, he was never a side young guy, but he was always a tough pitcher, and you, you knew you were not going to get a ton of runs off of him. Yeah, you know, he's a guy who won 200 games. Uh, believe he was only 12 strikeouts away from 2,500 in his career. So he was a tough guy to face. Um, did a couple World Series titles. I think he – or no, I think he was the NL MVP in 2016. I don't think he won the World Series MVP, I don't believe. He was um, NLCS he, MVP. Yeah, NLCS yeah. MVP in 16. Yeah, so, you know, he pitched well that series. Um, I think Cleveland, he, he went like one-on-one that, in that World Series. But, yeah, he's a guy that won three, three World Series. Um, yeah, always a tough guy to face. You know, I think he could get in the Hall of Fame. I, I think, you know, he's the three World Series. I know he hasn't had the Cy Youngs, but just missed 2,500 strikeouts, won 200 games, pretty so pretty press, impressive career. And, yeah, it was great to kind of see him come, um, you know, that that no-hitter battling, can, you know, battling, being able to beat cancer, come back and throw that no-hitter was was uh, a special moment. Um, but, yeah, he was another guy when, the you know, when uh, faced the Yankees, kind of knew that uh, – it be a tough day to score a lot of runs on them. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So that's going to wrap it up on Sports Talk with RJ. For our producer, Jace Garcia, did a great job. And for Justin Afrio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week talking about previewing the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Have a great weekend, everyone. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley. And Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is availability. Saquon Barkley... He's great when he's on the field, but the problem is, since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this. They lob it to him. He taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball. Hands down. Finch, two for three. He's done his part. Finch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Hello, my name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Meek, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. 
can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting Clovercrest